KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org. There are now more than 700 cases of COVID-19 among San Diego State University students. Local officials argue that the state should not count the SDSU cases as part of the San Diego County's coronavirus metrics. On Wednesday, Governor Gavin Newsom didn't appear willing to budge on whether students could be excluded from the data count. You can't isolate uh, as if it's on an island, a campus community that is part of the larger community. So the answer is no. If infection rates remain high, San Diego County could move from a less restrictive red tier into the purple tier status as early as next week. That change would require many non-essential indoor businesses to close. More than 2,000 students living on campus at SDSU are now required to get tested for coronavirus. About a third of the current cases are from people living on campus. Local health officials say the rest live within blocks of the school. Health officials cannot require testing for students who live off campus. Many students KPBS talked to liked the idea of requiring testing. Jose Rosales is a junior living on campus. He has underlying medical conditions, including high blood pressure and kidney issues. It's been kind of scary because it feels like you're like honestly playing like tag or hide and go seek with, with, you know, with something deadly. Rosales was tested on campus for the first time yesterday. He said the process took less than five minutes. It's Thursday, September 17th. This is San Diego News Matters from KPBS News, a daily morning news podcast powered by everyone in the KPBS newsroom. I'm Annika Colbert. Stay with me for more of the local news you need to start your day. KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org. There still isn't a clear timeline for when we'll get a COVID-19 vaccine. But Scripps Health is already preparing for when that day comes. The hospital chain has formed a vaccine committee who will be responsible for reviewing vaccines for patients and employees at Scripps hospitals. KPBS reporter Joe Hong explains why the hospital system is taking these precautions. Considering how many vaccines are being developed and how quickly they might become available, this review committee's job is to make sure Scripps chooses the best ones for its patients and staff. Chris Van Gorder is the president and CEO of Scripps Health. So we are going to be responsible to answer a lot of questions that our employees will have, our doctors will have, and frankly, the patients are coming to the doctors already asking them about vaccines. Scripps is one of the largest hospital systems in San Diego County with over 15,000 employees serving around 600,000 patients each year. The vaccine committee is made up of experts across all fields of medicine from pediatrics to infectious diseases. Joe Hong, KPBS News. 
Preservationists are sounding the alarm over the future of the North Chapel at Liberty Station. They say a developer's plans to change the historic structure into an events and entertainment venue will actually gut the building. KPBS's John Carroll reports. The company that holds the lease on the North Chapel, Pendulum Property Partners out of Irvine, has already received approval from both the federal and state governments to transform the chapel into a place that can host parties and dances. But historic preservationist Ron Slayen, who's been working for years to save the chapel, says their plans would ruin everything that makes the chapel historic. All the pews were to be removed, the kneelers, the confessional, uh, there were walls that were going to be taken down. They were to remove some of the stained glass windows. After federal and state approval, the plans have come back to the city of San Diego, whose staff have rejected them. The matter next goes to the Planning Commission and then on to the full city council. We reached out to Pendulum for a comment, but no one got back to us. John Carroll, KPBS News. Years of explosive wildfires have made it harder and more expensive for some Californians to insure their homes. It's even harder for people living in high wildfire risk areas. State Insurance Commissioner Ricardo Lara wants to develop consistent home hardening standards based in fire science, and he wants to apply those standards to all insurance companies. Currently, there's a kind of a patchwork of different standards that residents adhere to, but then there's no guarantee of coverage or any type of incentive to harden your home to do the community mitigation standards. Laura says he'll be convening a virtual hearing on October 19th with consumers, first responders, and the insurance industry. He aims to help stabilize the insurance market while protecting lives and homes. Major League Baseball says San Diego will host the American League Championship next month. They made the announcement on Tuesday. KPBS's Jacob Ayer examines whether bringing the playoffs to Petco Park will bring an economic boost to our region. Petco Park will host the American League Division Series beginning October 6th and the American League Championship Series beginning October 11th. The playoff tournament schedule was formulated in response to the COVID-19 pandemic. It was inspired by the bubble concept employed by the NBA and NHL, which aims to limit outside interaction with players and move games to a neutral location. There won't be fans in the stands at Petco Park, but Bub's manager, Ali Garibay, says fans still follow their teams and patronize local businesses. It's definitely going to be um, very helpful to us. Uh, it'll extend, you know, our, our summer season and our, our baseball season. The playoff schedule will culminate with MLB's first neutral site World Series, played at the home of the Rangers in Arlington, Texas. Jacob Ayer, KPBS News. Every Thursday, CAP Radio's PolitiFact California reporter Chris Nichols joins us for Can You Handle the Truth? A weekly conversation about his latest fact checks and reporting on misinformation. He spoke with CAP Radio's Steve Milney. Chris, it's been a busy week. You've worked on fact checks dealing with the Postal Service, wildfires, and President Trump's visit to California. Let's start with the one you did on a postcard that was mailed out nationwide by the Postal Service, but led to some confusion for voters. That's right. This card landed in mailboxes last week, and it advises people to plan ahead if they want to vote by mail, which is definitely good advice. But it also asks voters to request their mail-in ballot 15 days before Election Day. And that's caused confusion because a new state law in California already requires counties to automatically send out mail-in ballots. So if you're a registered voter and you've participated in recent elections, 
you don't need to make any request at all. Election officials in Sacramento and Yolo counties even released statements last week telling voters that the advice from the Postal Service about requesting a ballot just doesn't apply to most voters here in California. Okay, well, there's also been misinformation on social media about the cause of the wildfires, both here and in Oregon and Washington. What's PolitiFact finding on that topic? My colleagues at PolitiFact in D.C. checked this out, and they found a host of false social media claims, all of which blamed Antifa for intentionally starting these fires, especially up in Oregon. Now, Antifa is a loose and broad coalition of left-wing activists. They've been a big part of the racial justice demonstrations in Portland this summer. But there's no evidence that Antifa started any of these fires on the West Coast. What about law enforcement? What are they saying about these claims? Both fire and law enforcement officials, including Portland's FBI office, have all debunked these rumors. And finally, Chris, you fact-checked President Donald Trump's visit to Sacramento this week. What did you find? Well, I focused on what was a really striking exchange the president had with California Secretary for Natural Resources, Wade Crowfoot. And Crowfoot urged the president to acknowledge the role of climate change in making the fires worse. We have some sound from that. First, you'll hear Crowfoot, and then you'll hear a couple of claims by the president. If we ignore that science and sort of put our head in the sand and think it's all about vegetation management, we're not going to succeed together protecting Californians. Okay. It'll start getting cooler. I you, wish, just, you just watch. I wish science agreed with you. <laughs> hey, well, I don't think science knows, actually. Well, starting with Trump's claim that it's going to get cooler, Climate scientists say there's just no evidence to support that. The consensus among them is that the climate is warming, that climate change is a key factor in making these fires worse, and that we should also expect more days of extreme heat and fire danger. President Trump also talked about forest management, which he says is the way to prevent wildfires. Now, you've actually looked at that before. The president has over and over talked about clearing trees and even raking leaves in California. And he did that again in Sacramento. And he's not wrong that forest management is an important part of preventing these massive fires. California officials agree on that. But experts say it's just one element. The other big things are urban sprawl and, of course, climate change. And finally, while both the state and federal governments are responsible for managing the forests, It's the federal government that owns nearly 60% of these forests in California. And that's a point that the president just doesn't mention when he talks about forest management. That was CAP Radio's PolitiFact California reporter Chris Nichols speaking with Steve Milne. You can find more fact checks at politifact.com slash California. Coming up on the podcast, the San Diego Latino Film Festival had to close its doors on opening day back in March because of the pandemic. Now the festival has reinvented itself. Yeah, so we wanted to recreate the festival environment uh, with the virtual version of the San Diego Latino Film Festival. A virtual film festival, that's up next after this break. KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu. 
This year's San Diego Latino Film Festival was supposed to open on March 12th, but that was also the day California banned public gatherings of more than 250 people because of COVID-19. So the festival had to cancel on its opening day. KPBS arts reporter Beth Accomando says the festival returns today with 140 films all online. Canceling a festival on its opening day can leave an organization in shock. We had put all this money you know, into putting this festival and then boom, it just ended. That's Ethan Vontilo, executive director of the San Diego Latino Film Festival. The abrupt cancellation also left the festival facing hundreds of thousands of dollars in losses. But in the seven months that have followed, supportive vendors and various grants have helped soften the financial blow. Today, Vontilo is ready for a second launch this time online. Flexibility is definitely the key. Flexibility, innovation. Innovation to recreate the festival environment in a virtual format. So films have specific showtimes, for example, 7 p.m., and a ticket holder could watch an hour earlier or any time within a 24-hour window. But Vontilo encourages people to go for the live experience. Watch the film at the showtime and then participate in a Q&A afterwards, just like you would do at an in-person event. But this online model can't generate the kind of revenue as an in-person event. So Vontilo says they've had to set different goals. We have again over 140 movies, different filmmakers, actors that have made these wonderful films. It's about engaging them with local audiences. And so I'm really most excited about that live Q&A and virtual Q&A experience. Because to me, that's been the most exciting thing to, to learn about these past few months is engaging people online. Because people still need that connection. Yeah, we want to be in person, but for now it can be virtual and it's still really powerful. The delay in holding the festival, along with the move online, meant losing about a third of the films originally programmed. Most of those were bigger titles with more recognizable talent, says exhibitions manager Moises Esparza. The loss of those films has definitely given some of our smaller films to kind of take the spotlight, which is really exciting and I think speaks authentically to what a festival should be about, highlighting emergent filmmakers who may not have distribution strategies in place or distribution for that matter. And they're really relying on festivals as sort of their, their lifeline. Fontilo agrees. Those are films that we should, as local San Diegans, be supporting and try to get these more Latino voices uh, in front of the screens and more directors behind the, the camera. So it's important that we support these independent uh, and maybe smaller films that we're screening at this upcoming festival. Asparza says programming is divided into showcases by tags, such as Frontera for local filmmakers, Un Mundo Extraño for horror, and Somos for LGBTQ+. So I encourage people to pay attention to those tags because those are kind of our way of nudging people in the direction of interesting themes and topics that we think would appeal to them. There's something for everyone, from documentaries to smart, sexy comedies, to films that tackle religion through the lenses of horror and sci-fi. There are crowd-pleasers, too, but what's most exciting is that there are films that push people out of their comfort zones, thanks to Esparza's daring programming. Yeah, so we are definitely envelope pushers. At least I try to be with some of my programming selections. I hope to push individuals to explore new sensibilities, different modalities. It's kind of like broad on the spectrum of what they perceive to be a good or acceptable film. 
and to hopefully inspire audiences and create connections while sheltering at home, says Vontilo. Well, again, I just want to encourage everyone to come together during this uh, 11 days, celebrate Latino culture, celebrate Latino film. Let's get together and talk about these movies, talk about the issues in the movies, celebrate and support these filmmakers. Because remember, it's important to support independent artists and filmmakers during this time of crisis. Buying a ticket is an easy way to show support for the festival and to encourage artists to continue their work during this pandemic. Beth Accomando, KPB. Yes News. San Diego Latino Film Festival runs online today through September 27th. And check out Beth's Cinema Junkie blog for more information. Also, before you go, KPBS's health reporter Taryn Mento and KPBS producer Brooke Ruth are looking for your questions about reopening the economy during the pandemic. They'll be interviewing local infectious disease expert Dr. Christian Ramers, and they want to ask him your questions. To submit your questions, go to our website at kpbs.org. You can also tweet Taryn your question. She's at tbmento. That's it for the podcast today. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hoenmotors.com.